it. So, all right, to side. Let's uh, let's begin. So today's daf is Mem Zayin. Today's daf is Mem Zayin. We're picking up again on Mem Vav Amud Beis. So we'll say we left off. We left off. Uh, where did we leave off? Okay, thank you. So the Gemara therefore says that according to Rabbi Huda, you are permitted to go ahead and immerse, uh, Ger is permitted to go ahead and do Tevila on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, uh, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, in Matvilin, Rabbi Yossi says, no, you can't do Tevila, and say, now what's going on over here? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, because according to Rabbi Huda, you only need Tevila or Mila, so Matvilin b'Shabes, Ger Shemal Esmal Lefaninu, Dibe Mila Sagile, Vichimat B'Leha b'Shabes, Lomitachni Gavra. And I say, remember, the issue of going to the Mikvah on Shabbos is that if a person is going to the Mikvah for the sake of changing their status, that's like tikkun gavra. That's like fixing something, which again is not a biblical malacha. But again, it looks like a malacha. Anytime you change the state of something, so by definition, it's malacha like. So Rabbi Hud, so because Rabbi, so Rabbi Hud is saying the following case. Let's say the ger did the bris mila in front of us. So we know that his mila was l'shem gerus. Remember, Rabbi Hud is of the opinion that you only need one or the other. Therefore, once you've done once you've done mila l'shem gerus. By definition, you can go to the Mikvah on Shabbos because going to the Mikvah on Shabbos does not really affect anything. On the other hand, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, in Mapilin, Rabbi Yossi says, no, you're not permitted to go to the Mikvah because Rabbi Yossi's logic would be what? Rabbi Yossi's logic is you need both Tevila and Mila and therefore the act of going to the Mikvah on Shabbos would be an act that changes the status of the individual which would therefore be prohibited on Shabbos. Lefichach, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, in Mapilin, Amar, Lefichach, Matbilin, Ger, B'Shabbos. Samar said, therefore you see that what? You're permitted to go ahead and... And take the ger to the mikvah. Shabbos pshita kevan da Rabbi Yehuda bechad asagya hechad matbilin. So we'll say again, Rabbi Yehuda's shita is not really a chiddush because once Rabbi Yehuda says you only need mila or tevila. So once he did mila before us, when we say mila before us, what that means is that we know that he did a mila l'shem gerus. So once I know that that happened, therefore again. It's obvious that he's permitted to go to the mikvah on Shabbos because that immersion in the mikvah is not really necessary. So therefore, my lefichach, why do you have to add on the word lefichach, therefore? Ma'odetema, what would you have said? Rabbi Huda, ma'odetema, Rabbi Huda, tevila ikar, tevila b'Shabbos, lo, dekamatakin gavra. I might have thought that even though Rabbi Huda holds that you could do mila or tevila, that tevila is really the ikar. Tevila is really the ikar. And therefore, again, you shouldn't go ahead and do this on Shabbos. Kamash molan Rabbi Yehuda, oha, oha, boy. Therefore, now the Gemara teaches us that Rabbi Yehuda requires either one, either mila or tevila, and the truth is he places no emphasis on one over the other. Rabbi Yossi, Omer Rabbi Yossi says, in Matbilin, Rabbi Yossi says, the ger may not go to the mikvah on Shabbos. Pshita, that's obvious. 
Kevan Dam Rabbi Yossi Tati Ba Inan Tikune Gavra B'Shabbos Lo Metakinon. So the Gemara says that's of course because once Rabbi Yossi says that you require both Mila and Tevila, then obviously you can't go ahead and do Tevila on Shabbos because that would be you're, literally you're fixing or remedying the state of the individual, which again, of course, I will say is not a, is not a biblical malacha, but resembles malacha. Therefore, you wouldn't do it on Shabbos. So I would have said Mao Detema the Rabbi Yossi Mila Iker. I might have thought like this, even according to Rabbi Yossi, Mila, circumcision, is Iker. That's the major part of conversion. And Tevila, immersion, is just a secondary piece. And the cases where we're dealing with over here, where you can't go to the Mikvah on Shabbos, is where the Mila did not take place in front of us. And therefore, again, we can't necessarily go ahead and attest to the fact that it was done for the sake of conversion. But when Mila is done in front of us, Perhaps, again, we should let this individual go to the mikvah on Shabbos, since, again, the mila is the ikar. Therefore, no, the Gemara teaches us that Rabbi Yossi actually requires twice, uh, not twice, requires both, both mila as well as tevila. Amar Rabbah, excuse me, excuse me. Rabbi said, Uvda havi be rabichia barabi. Okay, so we'll say, we're not sure exactly who it is. Sorry? Thank you. What happened? A convert came before them, before one of these individuals, who did circumcision but not immersion. Amrle, so they said to this individual, So go ahead, wait here till tomorrow, and we'll immerse you in the mikvah. Meaning, we'll go ahead and you'll do your tevilah tomorrow. So we'll say, So we learn from this story three things. Number one, So first of all, say what we see over here is that there are three rabbanim involved in this process. And therefore, you see from here that, in, that, that conversion requires a basin of three people. Number two, we learn that you see conversion is not complete until you have both Tevila and Mila. And what do you see from here? That you don't go ahead and convert a ger at night. We don't do conversions at night. So again, I will say, remember, the fact that you need three, there were three Rabbanim there. The fact that they require Tevila, and it's not just enough for Mila, is because the guy had Mila already. And number three, the fact that you can't go ahead and do it at night because they tell him to wait until tomorrow morning. So the Gemara says, There's another thing you can learn from here, which is what they will say, that conversion must be handled by experts. Right? That Lamai again, you see three great Rabbanim over here. So maybe this is a Raya. It's not just three. It's not just the Beisdin. But Lamai again, you need people who are Mumchin, who are able to do it. To which the Gemara says, not necessarily, because Dilma Diiklo. I will say it could just happen to be that these three people just happen to be in the same place. Love Dafka, love Dafka, that they assembled, that they assembled for the purpose of effecting this conversion. How do we know that a ger? So I'll say. So now we've seen from the story that a ger requires three people to form the basin. But how do we know that halachically that is really true that you need a basin of three? Because again, mishpat Because I will say it says the word mishpat. The Torah says Torah achos mishpat echod hagar itchem. So you see the word mishpat mentioned in connection with ger. Mishpat means justice. Justice din is only affected by based in of three. Therefore, you see from here that gerus also requires three. 
Um, fine. Tana Rabbanon. Mishaba. Rabbanon says, it's actually a very interesting case. Mishaba va'amar ger ani. Let's say somebody shows up and says, I'm a convert. I'm a convert. Yochol mikablenu. You might think we should just accept them immediately. And Rabbanon says, it's actually very interesting. Because if someone shows up, someone shows up and says they're Jewish, so lemaisa again, lemaisa. so we believe them. Although, again, there's not really all that much at stake in believing them. Somebody says there's a ger, so they're a ger. Once you went ahead and you mentioned that information, then by definition, then by definition, it means you've already expressed the fact that you are not a naturally born Jew. So the shaila is now, do we accept that individual's testimony or not? Do we accept that statement? So the Gemara says, you might have thought somebody shows up and says that I'm a ger, we should just accept them. Talmud Lomar, Therefore, the Pasuk says, itach, or itcha. This is from the Pasuk of, v'chi yagur itcha ger, ba'artzichem lo sonu oso. When a ger lives with you in your land, do not afflict him. So the Gemara says, what does it mean, itcha, he lives with you? Bemuchsak lecha. It means that you know who he is, meaning that you know for sure that he is truly a true convert. The Edov Imominain, how do we know that if he brings witnesses to attest to the fact that he is a ger, that that would work as well? Tamud Lomar, Vichiyagor Itcha Ger Ba'artzichem. Because the Pasuk says, obviously, once he's bringing witnesses, that at the end of the day, that's also itcha. Then it's clear. So we'll say, the Gemara is on the same. The word itcha means that the status of the ger is only established when he's with you. Meaning, when you know who he is. When you could actually attest to the fact that he is a bona fide ger. Top of Memzain. Ainli elabar, ainli elabaretz. I only know that this is true in Eretz Yisrael. Because, because you can remember, the Pasuk is talking about Ba'artzachem, in your land. Bechutz la'aretz minayin. How do I know that it's true even in Chutz la'aretz? Talmud lomar itcha bechol makom she'itcha. There, because the Pasuk says, with you, wherever you are. Imkain ma Talmud lomar ba'aretz. If that's the case, then why does the Pasuk make reference to Eretz Yisrael? Be'aretz tzarech lahaviraya. Bechutz la'aretz ain't tzarech lahaviraya. The Rebbe Yudah says, that's very interesting. Because it's only in Eretz Yisrael that a ger would have to go ahead and bring a proof to his Jewishness. But in Chutz La'aretz, if a ger comes along and says, I'm a convert, his statement by definition is enough for us to believe him. These are the words of Rabbi Yehuda. If you look at Rashi for just a moment, Rashi says, What's interesting is the following. The difference in Eretz Yisrael is that you had indigenous nations that were circumcised. So for example, obviously Arabs, right? So, right? so Semitic people. You also have, again, these Givoni so these Givonim also, the Maisa were, were apparently at some point of them also circumcised. So the fact that you would have circumstantial evidence that somebody is Jewish in Eretz Yisrael is not enough. We'll also see that there's another reason why in Eretz Yisrael a person might make up that they, a person might fabricate the fact that they're Jewish. We'll get to that. So these words of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Chamsi, on the other hand, it's not true. Both in Eretz Yisrael as well as in Chutz Laaretz, you can't just come along and say you converted and you're Jewish. Rather, you have to go ahead and bring proof to your conversion. Bahu ve'edav imo kra lamli. So we'll say, remember, the Gemara said on, on the last line of Mem Vavamud Beis that if the Ger shows up and he brings his witnesses with him, that we believe him because the Pasuk says itcha. So I don't understand. If the Pasuk, I don't need a Pasuk to teach me that I believe the Ger if he brings two witnesses with him. If he brings two witnesses with him and they attest to the fact that he had a Gerus in Beisdin, I don't need a Pasuk to teach me that he is believed. That's just standard operating Judaic procedure. So why don't I need the Pasuk? Amar of Sheshes to Amri, Shamanu Sheneskayer 
Bebezdin Shaploni. Oh, because both like, what are the witnesses, what are the witnesses testifying about? See, we thought witnesses were going to say, ah, we, we were there, we were in the Bezdin. These witnesses are saying, we heard, we both heard the same thing, which is that he converted in the Bezdin of so-and-so. See, interesting, so the Gemara says, So I might have thought that we shouldn't go ahead and believe them, because they both say, in general, you don't give testimony about something you heard. You give testimony about something you saw. So I might have thought that if two witnesses show up and say, listen, this guy, Yaakov, who says that he went ahead and he converted, so it's very nice that we heard it, but maybe that's not testimony. Kamash Malan. Kamash Malan, no. Kamash that Lamai said, we do believe in such a situation. But say, you know, there's another interesting principle over here that, that, that's also interesting, which is the concept, and we're not getting into it now, but the idea of Pesha Asar Hua Pesha Hitir, meaning the guy could have just showed up and said he was Jewish. And if he just showed up and said he was Jewish, the truth is, to a certain degree, it might be a little bit easier to believe him. The fact that he goes in and says that he's a convert, right, he introduces that information onto, onto the scene. Although, and therefore, sometimes we say that if a person voluntarily brings forth information, that in and of itself, attest to the veracity of what he's saying. Although that, that reality doesn't really check out over here because the fact that a person is a convert will become very quickly discovered once he's part of the Jewish community. Because the moment that people ask questions about the family, the moment that people ask more probing questions, it's going to be clear that he's a convert. But the point the Gemara is making over here is that the standards for Eidos seem to be somewhat relaxed. That even if two witnesses come along and say, we both heard the same information, namely, that we went ahead and, and he converted and so and so based in, that's enough to believe him. Ba'aretz, so the Pazik said, in the land of Israel, in the Ba'aretz, how do I know that this same dynamic applies in Chutz La'aretz? Tamud Lomar, Itcha, the Pazik says with you, Bechol Mokom She'itcha, wherever you are, wherever he's with you, these same standards apply. Ay, Vahaya Fikse, but we are already learning, we are already learning something else out from Itcha, meaning we already used Itcha for a different Rasha. Chada Itcha, the truth is there are two different words. One Pasek is Itcha and one Pasek is Imach. So we learn out these two different ideas from each other. So one of them teaches us the idea that whether you are an Eretz or an Chutzlaretz, these same standards apply. These same standards apply. And the other one teaches us that Lamaisa Itcha, it has to be Muchsak Lecha. That it has to be someone who you know for sure to be, to be to, that, that he's only considered his credentials as a gear are only established if he's with you, if you know him. So the Gemara says, Remember the Chachamim say, whether you're an Eretz or the Chutzlaretz, the gear has to bring a proof to support the fact that he is indeed a gear. So the Gemara says, But how can you say that? Because the Pasuk says, at the end of the day, in Eretz Yisrael, So we'll see, here's what's interesting. So the, 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 the fact that the Torah uses the word Aretz, now we've already established that Aretz does not mean, does not mean to limit these criteria to Eretz Yisrael. Because remember, Imach and Itcha teaches us that wherever we go, the same criteria for converts apply. So therefore, again, what does Ba'aretz teach me? Ba'aretz teaches me that you could even accept Gerim in Eretz Yisrael. Now, what does it mean you could even accept Gerim in Eretz Yisrael? The Sakadai Tchamina, I might have said, I would have said, Mishum Tivusa the Eretz Yisrael Kamagairi. There is a very strong ulterior motive for a non-Jew to convert in Eretz Yisrael, and that's why, that's the goodness and the beauty of Eretz Yisrael. And I will say, this is not just a spiritual statement over here, this is very practical, because remember, for example, if you are Jewish, you are entitled to tithes, right? You're entitled to leket, to shechecha, 
to pay a, if you're poor to meiser ani. So there are there are financial incentives for conversion, especially if you're destitute. So I might have thought that Lamaisi is converting because of the goodness of Eretz Yisrael. And even though now, perhaps again, Rashi says over here that that tova is not there. What's the tova? The tova is not there. Rashi says the pasak chalav udevash. We'll say this is actually pretty amazing. So Rashi Hakadosh states that maybe today that the chalav and the dvash of the land maybe it's not the land of milk and honey as much. Although I think we're privileged to live in a time where we see the milk and honey beginning to flow so beautifully in our land again. So even though the milk and honey stopped flowing, still the Gemara says leket, like we just said before ikaleket shichacha upeo ma'israani. So I might have thought that because there it might be all of these financial incentives to convert, that we shouldn't accept gerim in Eretz Yisrael. Kamash no. Kamash that that is not the case. Kamash that we even accept gerim in Eretz Yisrael. Amr Bchiva Amr Amr Biochanan Halacha. What is the bottom line? Halacha Rabosai. Bein Baaretz, Bein Bechutz Laaretz, Savich Lahavi Raya. Rabosai. So the fundamental, fun, fundamental, the fundamental halacha is that whether you live in Eretz or the Chutz Laaretz, if you come to a community and you present yourself as a ger, you are obligated to go ahead and furnish proof to the community about your gerus. So Rabosai, obviously, so this this is still contemporarily true. And, and again, Lamaise, that's accomplished in one of two ways. Today, the way it's accomplished, very simply, is that if a person has a gerus, they have a star, they have a document. And that document ultimately attests to the, obviously, today it's much easier to check out, uh, to check out these type of claims. But Lamaise, again, to have the paperwork and to see the paperwork is exceptionally important for, for a convert's acceptance into the community. So the Gemara says, Bishita. but isn't that obvious? Yochid that Rabosai, again, remember, this is a machlokis between the Chachamim and an individual. Whenever you have a machlokis between an individual and a group and a collective, the halacha always follows the majority opinion, to which the cry. I might have thought, even though you're right, that Rabbi Huda is the minority, the singular opinion, but his, his, his proof makes a lot of sense. Why does this proof make a lot of sense? Because he's basing it on the Pasuk, because the Pasuk itself says what? Baaretz. Remember, Rabbi Huda's shita is that you only need to verify your claim of being a convert in Eretz Yisrael, not Chutz Laaretz. So even though Rabbi Huda is the minority, being the Chama, the majority, Rabbi Huda does have a word in the Pasuk that seems to support his approach, and therefore I might have said the Halacha follows like him. Kamash Mala, no. That Rabbi Huda is still the Yachid, and therefore the Halacha follows the Rabbim, and Halacha Lamaisa, when the Ger comes to the community, he must support his claim of Geros, either through documentation or through Eidos. Tan Rabbanon. So the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Ushifatetem Tzedek, Bein Ish, Ubein Achiv, Ubein Gero. You shall literally judge in a just fashion between man and his fellow, and between his Ger. Mikan Am Rabbi Huda, Ger Sheneskayer Bebezdin, so from both, what do we learn from this? says, from here you see the fact that it says that you shall judge in the same context as the ger teaches us that it is only a ger who converts within the confines, within the framework of a based in who is a ger. Between if he does it alone, let's say a guy goes to the river and he decides I'm going out and I'm conversing, I'm becoming Jewish. So the Gemara says such a conversion does not work. It only works in the context of a basin. Obviously, logically, it's going to make more sense in just a little bit because you have to make sure that a person knows exactly what it is that they're getting into. And a person not only that knows what they're getting into, but a person accepts certain ideologies. If a person thinks that when they convert, they're accepting a Baruch Hu in addition to whatever they believed before, such a conversion does not 
work. So the Gemara therefore says, even though logically, I would have understood that conversion has to occur within the context of a base din. Now the Gemara brings a pasuk. Since it says ushvatetem tzedek ben isha ben achavu ben gero, it, I mean, why do you have to put ben gero in there? Ben isha ben achav, a ger is a Jew like anybody else. Why do you have to single out ger? Because the idea ultimately is to teach us that the conversion of the ger must take place within the framework of mishpat, in the framework of a base din. There was an episode of someone who came before Rabbi Huda. Listen, I converted, but I did it myself. Right? We, have a, we have a pool in the backyard. Right? I did it. I did it myself. I converted between literally me and myself. Rabbi Huda says, tell me, do you have any witnesses about what you did? So the man responded, no. Now tell me, now this is interesting. Say, do you have children? Do you have children? So the man said, yes, I do. So listen to what Rabbi Huda said. You are believed to go ahead and invalidate yourself. However, but you are not believed to go ahead and invalidate your children. So we'll say, what this story, now working backwards a little bit, what must have happened over here was the following, which was this was a man who was known to be a Jewish individual in the community. Suddenly he comes along and tells Rabbi Huda, oh, by the way, I'm a convert. I'm a convert. Fine, no problem with that. Right? But oh, also, I converted myself. Right? It was one of the, uh, I, I, you know, I watched a YouTube video, whatever. You know, I, 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 did, I did it myself. So Rabbi Huda says, whoa. So now what you've done is because of that new information, what you have done is you have changed now. You have to run the risk of changing your own status and your children's status. You are now bringing new information to the forefront. You are believed to change your own status. So as far as you're concerned, you're not Jewish. Right? As far as you're concerned, we're going to have to go ahead and do a new conversion. But you are not believed to impact the status of your children, which is quite a dramatic position. So the Gemara says, now obviously it sounds counterintuitive, right? Because if he's not Jewish, so we'll see, it's not counterintuitive because there are times, there are times, remember, now if I have children, those children have their own status. They have their own status as being Jewish. What Rabbi Huda is saying is, your new revelation has the ability to change your status, but doesn't have the ability to change your children's established status. We'll see other examples of this. So the Gemara says, now say, just you should know, in a situation like this, just well, actually, let, let's go on a little bit. So, Umi Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Abanim Lo Mehemin. Did Rabbi Yehuda really say that he's not believed about his children? Vatanya, but we learned Yakir, Yakir, Yakirenu LaAchirim. So, I will say the pasuk says that this is talking about the laws of inheritance by a bachar. So the Torah says, uh, that literally the firstborn, even if the firstborn is of the wife that he doesn't like, has to be recognized as the firstborn for inheritance purposes. So the Gemara Dashans, what does it mean, Yakir? Yakirin la'achirin. That the father can make the firstborn recognizable or known to others. Now, what does that mean? Mikan Amra Bihuda, Ne'eman Adlan Lomar, Ze Bini Bachar. A man is believed to say, This is my firstborn child. Let's say again, people don't know anything about the family. They don't, the children are all close in age. We don't know who the Bachar is. A father is believed to say, Ruvain, that's my Bachar. He's my Bechar. And the same way that he is believed to say that this is my son, the firstborn. 
כך נאמן לומר בני זה בן גרושהו או בן חלוצהו. We're supposed to listen to this. Rabbi Huda says the same way that a father is believed to say, this is my firstborn son, he's also believed to go ahead and tell us what? About the status of his kids. So let's say the father is a coin, and let's say he tells us, you know what? I, had ma- I was married to a grusha. This child is the product of that union. Therefore, the child is a ben grusha, or the child is a ben chalutza. So he is believed to go ahead and tell us about the status of the child. The chacham, the chacham say, no, ain't no ne'aman. The chacham say, not true. Not true, the father is believed about himself, but he's not believed to go ahead and change the status of his children. And also, again, just remember, the whole idea of changing the status is every person has a personal chazaka. You can change your personal chazaka, but the Gemara is suggesting over here, who's to say that you could change someone else's personal chazaka, even if that person is related to you, and even if logically we would think that your chazaka changes your offspring's chazaka, the Gemara suggests that that may not be the case. Amrav Nachar Yitzchak Hachi Kamar. So Nachar Yitzchak says the following, this is what we say to him. According to your logic, and I will say again, remember, according to Chachamim, what you'd have to say is the following. If we believe this individual, that Lamaisa, what? This is actually fascinating. We believe him that he's an Ovid Kochavim, meaning, well, now we believe, meaning we believe him if, we te- if he tells us that he converted between just by himself. So essentially, what he's saying is he's not Jewish. That's essentially what he's telling, telling us. I mean, he doesn't think he's telling us that. He thinks he's telling us how he converted to Judaism. But halachically, ultimately, what he's really telling us is that he's not a Jew. So Nachman Yitzchak says, if that's the case, Ovid Kochavim Ata, ve'ein edos lo Ovid Kochavim. So we'll say, so Rav Nachman Yitzchak has such an interesting kunz. He says, I'm going to tell you why you're not believed vis-a-vis your kids. Because if you're telling me that Lamaisa, that you didn't convert, that means you're an Akum, that means you're not Jewish. If you're not Jewish, then the truth is your testimony has absolutely zero veracity legabi someone else therefore will believe you because you have a right to go ahead and establish your own state I both say Tosas points this out I'm not going to get into it now but there is the concept of Shavi Anafshe Chaticha Di Isura I have the ability to change my own status and I have my ability to make myself prohibited. But I don't have that ability just on my own to do that to someone else. So you want to change your status by saying that your conversion was not good. That's your prerogative. You're now effectively, halachically, an akum. If that's the case again, your testimony has absolutely no impact vis-a-vis your children. Ravina, Ravina says, this is what we say to him. I'm sorry. Um... So interestingly enough, Ravina takes a different approach. Ravina says that Lemaisa, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Lifsal es banecha, dinafkalon miyakir, viatoneema lifsal es binei banecha. So we'll say Ravina takes a different approach. Ravina says that when a guy comes along and says that Lemaisa, I converted between just privately, individually, not with a Bezdin, he effectively renders himself back to his Gentile state. Ravina says he is believed to go ahead and therefore change the status of his children. How do we know that he's believed to change the status of his children? That comes from the Pasuk Yakir, because the same way that he is believed to go ahead and point out who the Bechar is, Nabosai, when he says that that one is the Bechar, so remember, he is establishing the status of his children. That teaches us that a father can establish status. So therefore, the mice again, when a father says, I didn't convert properly, so he does change the status of his children, but who can't, whose status can't he change? 
if there are grandchildren in the equation, then the Maisei, he would not be able to change the status of the grandchildren. So this is such a strange case. So you could have a situation of three generations. The fa- grandfather now says, I never really converted. So what Ravina is suggesting is he could change his status. That testimony effectively changes his status, his children's status, but will not impact his grandchildren's status. That supports this. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Ne'eman Adam Lomar. So I'll say, remember, fundamental machlok is in Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak and Ravina. Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak says that he can't even change his children's status for the simple reason that now, if you're telling me that you did not properly convert, you're not Jewish. If you're not Jewish, then Lamaise again, your testimony does not hold up in a basin, in which case you can't change your children's status. Ravina says, no, you can't change your children's status. The proof to that is where? From the laws of inheritance, but you can't change your grandchildren's status. So, Rabbi says, What does the Bryce say? A man is believed to change the status of his son, the Katan, but is not believed to change the status of Beno Godel. Now, I'll say, what does that mean? So, Katan doesn't literally mean a child, and Godel doesn't literally mean an adult. Rather, Rather, again, if a person, if the, even if the person is young, but he has children, that's considered to be a Godel. Godel ve'inlo banim zehu katan. But even if the child is old but doesn't have children, that's called a katan. In other words, Rabosa, what we're saying is Godel means, Godel means someone who has children, right? And therefore, what katan means someone who doesn't have children. So what does that mean? Same thing as, as Ravina said before, that Lamaisa, when the father, when the man comes along and says, I never really did a valid conversion, he has the ability to impact the status of who? The katan. Who's the katan? His child, but his chi- child without children. But if he's, he doesn't impact the Godel, i.e. his child with children. So the is again on both sides, what this is supporting Ravina's approach, namely, that a father, when he changes his status, can impact the status of his own children, but cannot impact the status of his grandchildren. So the Gemara says the following, And on both sides, the halacha follows Rav Nachem Bar Yitzchak, namely, Namely, that a father cannot go ahead and impact the status of his child. That's when the father comes along and says that I never did a proper conversion, that, that, that essentially that renders him an akum, that renders him a non-Jew, and therefore his testimony is not accepted by, it's not, it's not accepted by a Bezdin, therefore he's only impacted his own status, he hasn't impacted his children's status. Now both say, we know that halacha, well actually, let's go back there a little bit. I, but we have a writer that supports Ravina. This is, this is really, I'm just telling you, these sugyas are so fascinating. We have a rice that supports Rabino. So the Gemara says, Hahu le'inyan yakir. Itmar. Remember, again, that price that supported Ravina was just a Brisa Lagabe inheritance. But who is to say that just because the Allah is true by inheritance, that by definition that goes ahead and would be true in this case of Gerus as well? So turn around. So we'll say, okay, so let's stop here for just a moment. So Halach Lamaisa, we know that we do Paskin like Ravina. We Paskin even more like Ravina. If somebody comes along and says that essentially I never converted, it absolutely has an impact upon all of the generations going forward. That's how we Paskin Allah because again, we don't accept this premise that my that my father's chazaka can't impact me. Although one could advance a cogent halachic argument, as Ramnachem Bar Yitzchak does, once the status of the parent is impacted, by definition, the status of the child is impacted as well. That that is halacha l'maisa. So Gemara says the following. Now we get into a very interesting. Now again, just so you should know what we're going to see now today. 
and even even a little bit tomorrow. These are the primary sugyas of Gerus. These the, these are the gemaras. The, these are the these are the conversion gemaras. So we'll say so far we've seen two very important pieces by Gerus. First of all, also we passed. I didn't say this, but I'm sure you understood it. That we passed in halacha that for Gerus you need both. Mila and Tevila. You need both immersion in a mikvah as well as circumcision. Actually, it's really first circumcision and then the order is very important. First circumcision, because if you go to the mikvah uncircumcised, you have not affected <coughs> Gerus. So you need to first have circumcision and then afterwards immersion in the mikvah. That's number one. Number two, which is not in the laws of Gerus as much. Oh, number, th- number two, you do need a based in of three, which we've established over here already. Number three, we only do it during the day and not at night. Number four, again, if the Gerus status of the parents is changed, it absolutely impacts the child. But I'll say just an interesting, if anybody's looking for a good, for a good Chabura topic, there's a lot of interesting halachic literature about what if somebody does the Mila, does the Mila, and dies before Tevila, can you bury them in a Jewish cemetery? Fasting halachic shayla, meaning somebody began the conversion process, right, and took literally a very substantive step towards conversion. Lemaisa, are they accorded some level of Jewish status, or do we say no, until you, until you immerse in the mikvah, you're not Jewish. Okay, turn around on so we'll say, let's, let's, let's go by this. So what happens? So a ger goes ahead and wants to convert. So you say to him, what? So what, what happens? Why do you want to convert? Why do you want to convert? Do you not know that the Jews are persecuted, downtrodden, afflicted, abused? We give them the whole thing. Like, like really, like, really, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? I love being Jewish, but why would you ever voluntarily step into this? Well, say, meaning understand something else also. One of the things about Judaism is that we do not believe, which, which separates us from Christianity and separates us from, from Islam. We don't believe that you have to accept Mashiach as a savior in order to be saved, nor do we believe that you have to be Jewish in order to have Olam Haba. We believe that you could be an absolutely beautiful, wonderful, righteous Gentile, and you could have a lichtige ganeiden. You could have a beautiful afterlife, and all you have to do is keep up, accept upon yourself, Zion mitzvos. That's all. You do not need, yes, we believe that Klaus, we are the chosen people. We're not apologetic about that in any way, shape, or form, but being chosen does not, is, not, is, not the nece- is not the necessary ticket for Olam Haba. So you can have everything you want in life, and you only have seven mitzvahs upon you. You don't need to do this. You could escape all the... Essentially, you could get all of... Yeah, I know I said that. I was going to say, you could escape all of the persecution. You could, ex- you could escape all of the baggage of being Jewish and really still have all of the benefits of a close relationship with God. You do not need to be Jewish in order to have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So why are you doing this? So he says, so If he says, you know, I know, I know, and I feel unworthy to share in the suffering of the Jewish people, meaning if he says, I know about all these things, but essentially I still want to be part of Kla Yisrael, we accept him immediately. So, so number one is, now we'll have to see what this means, so that's it. If a guy goes in and says, I'm in anyway, despite the suffering and the persecution, that's it, he's in. So we'll see what means. means. Really means that we accept him now for the process of conversion. Meaning that's like the question for entry into the process. If you answer that despite all of this, you still want it, you still want it, okay, then we're willing to engage you in the process. What do we do next? We begin to teach him certain more lenient mitzvahs, certain more 
Intense mitzvahs, we'll give examples of this. So we'll say, again, what this is also saying is, obviously, you can't teach someone kala Torah kula before they convert. Right? That, that obviously can't happen. So the idea is what we try to do is we try that they establish, again, a basic working understanding of Judaism, the activities of daily life, Shabbos, Yom Tov, Kashrus, if they're married, Tarasam, Mishpacha, all different things like that, just things that we need to... Exa- and, and so we try to give them a little bit of a flavor, more than a flavor. We try to give them a little bit of a, of a panoramic view of what Judaism is. So we give them some of the lighter mitzvos, some of the more intense mitzvos. Umodian osa avon leket shechacha upeo It's very interesting. And what do we focus on? We focus on telling them the need to go ahead and you have to give the, the punishment for not giving leket shechah peyam the punishment for not giving tzedakah. So also we're going to see, because again, one of the m- most incredible things about Judaism is it is exceptionally expensive. Exceptionally expensive. And this idea that those expenses are mandated. And if you don't go ahead and live up to those expenses, there's a stiff penalty by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we tell him the punishment for not observing the tithes to the poor. Umodin also anshan shal mitzvos. And we tell him about the punishment of not keeping mitzvos. Look what we tell him. Omrim lo, hevi odea, sha'at shalo basa lamidazu, achal techelev, ta anashkaris. You know, now you're a nice Gentile. And as a nice Gentile, if you were to go home and eat the fat from your animal... You know what? The only thing you have to worry about are the ramifications on your health. But in terms of the ramifications on your soul, absolutely none. But know that if you convert and you eat that same fat, you'll be chayif kares. You'll be cut off spiritual excommunication from, from the Jewish people and run the risk of premature death of your children. So, uh, so just understand, chilal to Shabbos, right? So now again, Saturday, you want to go to the mall, you want to do whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. And now, chilal to Shabbos, anush skila. So that we tell the Hanju, listen, j- just understand really what you're biting off. Because we'll say, it was interesting to note is, Many people's first exposure to Judaism when they want to convert is a very positive experience. Very often, it's a Shabbos meal. So I'll say, if you just drop into Judaism, like in the middle of that beautiful Shabbos, it's Kivaldic, right? Everybody's around the table and they're singing and there's divrei Torah and there's nice food and everybody's relaxing and this. Say, well, like, sign me up for this, right? I could do this every day. That's fine, but remember, so the nice, the nice kind of like kumbaya part of Judaism is only one very, very small part. 98% of Judaism is difficult work, is incredible exertion, is putting myself out there, is pushing myself, is waking up at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. You know, th- th- this, this uh, Shabbos comes once a week. It's beautiful. But the rest of it, so we try to tell them, listen, just understand. We understand you like it and you think it's all fine, you think it's all beautiful. Please, we want to tell you the nuts and bolts. And Rosa, it's not just nuts and bolts. It's if you don't do it, if you don't do it, right, the stakes are exceptionally high. Meaning, I will say, this is a very important part of Judaism, which is that there is an expectation from God that we live up to his standards. And if we don't live up to his standards, there, there are repercussions for that. So he goes on. Now you want to give him kind of like an even-keeled, an even-keeled representation. Because we don't just want to tell him about the punishments. We tell him in the same way that, yes, there are punishments. We also tell him the reward. And we tell him, Know that the world to come is only for the righteous. The Jewish people at this time, we are not able to receive low rov tova or low rov paranos. So I'll say, interestingly enough, we tell him that, look, you know what, at the, way, the way the world works is, in this world, Klal Yisrael, 
we're not able to receive too much good and we're not able to receive too much bad. Now, you see, we're not able to receive too much bad. We seem to receive a lot of bad. The idea is, Rashi points out, that the way it works in, in, in Kal Yisrael is we'll never receive the full measure of bracha, but we'll also never be annihilated. Right, so we never get the full measure of good, and has never the full measure of bad. But you know what we do have, Rabbi say, See, here's what's amazing. The one thing that we each have, not the one thing, but one of the things that we each have working for us is this statement we make at the opening chapter of every parak of Pirkei Avos, which is, Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelikolam Haba Emar Kulam say, Now that's pretty major. So it's pretty major is for the nations of the world, they don't have a guaranteed portion of the world to come. They can earn it. And if they earn it, if they do good things, then it's theirs and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. For the Jewish people, the beautiful part is membership has its privileges. And if I am a member of the cloud, then by definition, I have a Chelikolam Haba. It's true. I could lose it based on certain activity, and the size of it, well, that meaning, you know, the Shaila is, you know, am I living in a bungalow in the world to come, or am I going to be living in a palatial estate? So that is absolutely dependent on what I do with my life here, but the idea is I do have a portion. I do have a portion. That portion is locked in. Ve'in marbin alav, ve'in medaktik in alav, I will say this is interesting. So Rash says over here, Now this is very interesting. Because obviously, the first part of Gerus clearly is what? Is clearly trying to scare the guy off. That's clearly, and, and again, that's by design. By design, we try to go ahead and literally put the fear of God in him about what Judaism is in an effort to get him. We are not a proselytizing religion. You know, we, we welcome the convert, but the truth is we don't encourage the convert. So the first thing we do is we tell him about the terribly, the, our, our 2,000 years of bloodshed and persecution and difficulty. If he still says, I still want it, okay. Step number two is we still try to dissuade him by teaching about the severity of mitzvos. And if he still wants in, so now the Gemara says, listen, at some point in time, namely after the second stage, if he still wants in, we don't keep trying to dissuade him. At some point in time, if it's clear that he's genuine in his desire to join the fold of the Jewish people, so in Medactic in our love, we don't keep telling him, you know, <laughs> you could spend days telling the guy about every single thing that could do wrong, that he could do wrong, that could land, that could land him in hot water. At some point in time, we stop doing that. And, there, and what happens? In Medactic in our love. Now, both said it's also very interesting. In didactic in our love means that he doesn't necessarily have to be expertly proficient in every detail of Judaism prior to going ahead and converting. Say Kibel, say if he accepts upon himself mitzvahs, and Abbas say we'll discuss exactly what he has to accept upon himself. Mullen osomiyad. We circumcise him immediately. Meaning Abbas say that if he's going to convert, if he's going to convert, we circumcise him there right there on the spot. Nishtairu Now say now what happens? What happens if Lamaisa again, we go ahead and we go ahead and there are tzitzim. Tzitzim are literally pieces of skin. I will say, you know, that mila, bris mila has two parts, what we call the priya and the prima, which means the cutting and the pulling back. So remember, again, underneath the foreskin, there's also a membrane. You have to cut through both of those and then pull that back. It's possible sometimes, sometimes that there are pieces of the membrane that are left on the gid, that are left on the, on the top of the aver. Those, those tzitzim are ma'ak v'nes those, those little pieces of the membrane are essentially... 
essentially negate the effectiveness of the Mila, and you have to go back. You have to go back and get those tzitzin again. So if you did the Mila the first time, but you left the tzitzin, you have to go back and get the tzitzin again. Once he's healed from the bris Mila, we go ahead and we take him to the Mikvah immediately. So right after he's healed from the Mila, we take him to the Mikvah. And there are two Tamidi Chachamim that are there with him. So most of this is actually interesting. So what the Gemara says over here is like this, is that Lamaisa, while he's in the mikvah, while he's in the mikvah, we do another Kabbalah Samitzvos. So look at Rashi. Modin also mixes mitzvos. The hashda ayidei tevila who nichnas leklal gerus hilchah b'shas tevilas mitzvah tzarich lekabel alav o mitzvos. So Rabbi even though he accepted upon himself the yoke of mitzvos earlier, while he's in the mikvah, we do another Kabbalah Samitzvos. So literally, standing in the mikvah, we tell him, listen. Now again, Rabbi say here we don't necessarily go through mitzvah by mitzvah. Do you accept all the mitzvot shebichsav? Yes. Do you accept all the mitzvot shebalpeh? Yes. Do you accept the authenticity of Torah's Misina? Yes. Do you go ahead and accept even the halachos that you did not learn? Yes. We go do this Kabbalah while he's standing in the mikvah. Bishas Maisa. Allah, Taval, Allah. He goes down into the mikvah, comes up from the mikvah. Hare hu We'll say once, it's amazing. It's amazing. Once he, go, he, go, he, he goes in a Gentile, emerges, literally comes up from those waters, a Jew, and he's a full-fledged Jew. What do we do with the women? A woman. Isha, nashimo shivos. Also, I'm at Savara. So we'll say, what do we do with women? Because obviously, what the Gemara just highlighted over here is that Lamaisi, you should do a Kabbalah Samitzos while the person is literally in the water. That works fine for a man. What do you do with a woman? So the Gemara says, what do you do with a woman? Women take her into the mikvah, and they take her into the mikvah up until her neck. So whereas a man, a man just needs essentially to stand into the mikvah water from the waist down so that the erva itself is covered by the water. So a woman goes into the mikvah up until her neck. Do not stand in the room with the woman, obviously, because of Tzinia's purposes. Rather, they stand outside of the room and they talk to her from outside the room. And say same thing. So the woman is in the mikvah up until her neck. Men are outside of the room, clearly no visibility of the woman outside of the room, and what do they do? They yell to her essentially from outside the room. Same thing. Do you accept Kala Torah Kula? Do you accept all the mitzvahs? Do you believe in the authenticity of Torah? Do you believe in Torah Messina? Do you accept everything you know and you don't know? All of these things. So by the way, the Gemara does not stay over here, which we do during during Gerus. Is it's not only Kabbalah Samitzos, there has to be a Kabbalah Ol Malchus Shemayim. That in the mikvah itself, the the, the Ger has to accept the yoke of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I accept Hashem as my God. Shemay Yisrael Shemalokino Hashem Echad. So it's acceptance of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's acceptance of Torah. The, for the woman, they do this from outside the room, and therefore what? So we'll say Echad Ger, and that's Talach. It's the same thing. Then the woman goes down into the mikvah, and she comes up ultimately again as a Jewess. Now, said the only thing that does happen is that Lamaisa, again, by a woman, the one time that the Beisdin will come inside is only when she's under the water. So when she's under the water, the Beisdin just has to come inside to see that she is totally under the water. So the Beisdin doesn't see her. The Beisdin actually sees the absence of her. So as long as you don't see anything, then Lamaisa, that's indicative of the fact that she is fully submerged under the water, and the Beisdin knows that she was Tovelas. So the Gimara says, Echad ger ve'echad ge'aved So we'll say this process is true 
true by a ger. This process is true by an emancipated servant. So we'll say, what the Gemara is saying over here is that Lamaisa, now the ger is what we're talking about. Evid Meshukhar Isu. Evid Meshukhar is, remember, when you take an Evid Kanani, when you take an Evid Kanani, a non Jewish servant, when you emancipate that servant, that servant becomes a full fledged Jew. So the Gemara is just describing the same process we have for a ger is the same process of an Evid Meshukhar. And Rabbos say the same type of mikvah that a nida uses is the same type of mikvah that that a ger and a, that a ger and evid meshuchra will go ahead and uh, uh, will use as well. Meaning that a mikvah of forty saw. So a mikvah of forty saw is the mikvah you use for a nida will be the same mikvah that you ultimately use for a ger and an evid meshuchra. So we'll have to stop over here. Um, Yeah. Alright, well, so you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow we are going to do 5.45. Let's start 5.45 tomorrow and the Mirat Hashem. That will allow us to get to the Mishnah in Mirat Hashem on Memtes Amod Aleph. Sorry? A Mishmar. A Mishmar.